1: Hi friends, welcome to the Professional Book Nerds podcast presented by Overdrive. This is Joe back with another episode. Today I'm excited to get to share some of my folklore titles with my Overdrive friend Jenna. As always, all of the titles we share today will be in the episode description. If you'd like to reach out to us, you can find us on social media, on TikTok, Instagram, and Twitter at ProBookNerds, on our website professionalbooknerds.com, And you can email us nerds at professionalbooknerds at overdrive.com. Now, let's get on with the episode. Hello and welcome. As you heard from the intro today, we're talking folklore reads. Folklore can be an oral tradition passed down, it can be nonfiction, or as many of my titles today will show, it can be a translation of folklore into works of fiction. Joining me today is Jenna. She's a team lead on our technical support team, one of the many amazing people who keep us up and running. Jenna, welcome.
0: Hello, thank you so much for having me.
1: Thanks for being here. I'm excited to see what you brought to the table today.
0: I'm very excited.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So before we get started, I seem to have this style where I've got to ask some questions first. I only have like one or two for you. So no, no pressure. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) What attracts you to folklore titles?
0: I guess um, the idea that it's kind of like, based on a true story. Um, You know, some of these tales have been passed down through generations. And some of them, you know, are seen almost as fairy tales, Or some of them are also seen as just tradition. So it's cool to see, you know, retellings and interpretations of the tales um and I just I don't know I'm just so drawn to it
1: I love that do you remember what was kind of your starting point the first title like this that drew you in
0: oh gosh um I think you know some people consider like Robin Hood like a folk tale and like Peter Pan and stuff like that where it was like you know, I wanted it to be true. <laughs> um, and it was just like magical. And it was like one of those stories, the stories that, you know, just got passed down. So
1: that's awesome. So, really, those kind of like early foundational stories, the, the kind of bedtime stories we would hear. Oh, yeah. I love that. Well, if you don't mind, I'll get us started. Yeah. Just so we can uh, give, our, give our friends some titles to try out. So, my first. Title here should be no surprise. I feel like this is probably on every gods, folklore, mythology list. Uh, It is The Gods of Jade and Shadow by Silvia Moreno Garcia. So the jazz age is in full swing, but Cassiopeia, ton, is too busy cleaning the floors of her wealthy grandfather's house to listen to any fast tunes. Nevertheless, she dreams of a life far from her dusty small town in southern Mexico, a life she can call all her own. Yet this new life seems as distant as the stars until the day she finds a curious wooden box in her grandfather's room. She opens it and accidentally frees the spirit of the Mayan god of death who requests her help in recovering his throne from his treacherous brother. Failure will mean Cassiopeia's demise, but success could make her dreams come true. In the company of strangely alluring God and armed with her wits, Cassiopeia begins an adventure that will take her on a cross country odyssey from the jungles of the Yucatan. To the bright lights of Mexico City and deep into the darkness of the Mayan underworld.
0: That sounds so good. <laughs> I've had this one on my TBR for the longest time. I haven't taken the plunge in reading it, but I, I have to.
1: <laughs> Absolutely. This kind of hits a few of my loves because I... When we set up for this interview, I was like, oh, mythology, folklore. I would love to read more titles like this. And then I was, as I was researching, I went, I already read titles like this. Wait.
0: Yes. (laughs) That's how I felt. I'm like, I didn't even know some of these were considered folklore.
1: Right.
0: (laughs) Until I did the research, yeah.
1: Right. It's definitely something of our kind of our generation age range where these are the the style of books that were pushed to us anyway. But so this hits my love of the kind of 20s jazz age vibe along with magic. And I also love that it's not another kind of jazz title set in New York. I love that it is in. Yeah, (laughs) I love that, that it's something different. How about your first title?
0: Okay. So my first title is The Silence of the Girls by Pat Barker. And this is kind of a retelling of the Iliad, um, where we follow Briseus, um, the Trojan queen and captive of Achilles. Um, and we have not heard much about Briseis. There were a few words in Homer's epic um, about her, but most of it was largely erased. Um, She's a pivotal figure in the Trojan War. And in this book, she comes fully to life. You know, she's forging connections among her fellow female prisoners, even as she's caught between Greece's two most powerful warriors. Her story pulls back the veil on thousands of women who live behind the scenes of the Greek army camp, um, which as we know, is not largely talked about. (laughs) Um, This includes concubines, nurses, prostitutes um the women who lay out the dead and as gods and mortals spar and as a legendary war hurdles towards its inevitable conclusion um we follow this story about these extraordinary women
1: i love that i love that it's an approach that we don't get very often where like you mentioned at the start this takes a character that was kind of erased from the epic that we're all I feel like at some point forced to read yes (laughs) there is there is a story here we have to we have to talk about these women and it makes me think of so many other great books I've been reading lately of just like the people behind the scenes the people who prep the dead like
0: like things you don't even think about and you're like there is so much more to these stories that we didn't know
1: (laughs) right we have so much culture hidden everywhere and I think that's I I liked, I like to see that. We'll, uh, I'll be excited to read that one. Yay. (laughs) So my next title is The Deep by Rivers Solomon. Yetu holds the memories for her people, water-dwelling descendants of pregnant African slave women thrown overboard by slave owners who live idyllic lives in the deep. Their past, too traumatic to be remembered regularly, is forgotten by everyone, save one the historian this demanding role has been bestowed upon yitu so she is out here remembering for everyone the pain the trauma Uh, so you know we see her kind of holding the, the worst but she's also at the same time holding the best the kind of miracles and all of this in one person is too much so it's destroying her so she flees to the surface escaping the memories the expectations and the responsibilities, and discovers a world her people left behind long ago. y will learn more than ever that she expected about her own past and about the future of her people. If they are to survive, they'll need to reclaim their memories, reclaim their identity, and take on who they really are. And honestly, it's just... It's vivid, it's unique, it's original, and it's... Ugh. I'm a lover of Toni Morrison, so this is this is very similar to a lot of her. Like this is similar to *Beloved*. Surprise! Yes. <laughs> I'm surprise I love it. Yikes! <laughs> but it's that kind of powerful. It, it just it takes on the the lives of deceased African slaves living underwater, and what a what a kind of mystical way to present healing.
0: I love that especially the Toni Morrison references it's like yeah I'm sold
1: (laughs) right and uh, we can't seem to help but mention in just about every episode it's got a really great jacket cover uh it's very (laughs) yeah very geometric very printed so yeah and it looks like waves
0: (laughs) I will say I'm one of those people where like I'm browsing like books I will pick up a book 100% based on its cover.
1: (laughs) Absolutely. I'm
0: like, I'm too drawn to this to not give it a chance. So
1: (laughs) you got to appreciate good art, but also you have to sell what you're trying to sell. So it has to look decent.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, for my second book, um, I chose Greek Mythology by Liv Albert. And this is, I mean, I guess you can consider it a nonfiction, um, but it's more of a book of knowledge um it's a collection of profiles with backstories of the heroes villains gods goddesses um, that we see in today's shows and films so all these other names that are being brought up in these books and in movies um it's kind of the backstories of them so it has comprehensive entries that outline each character's name uh the role they played Related symbols and foundational myths. Um, so basically, you get to know the roots of all of their personas, better understand the stories they inspire today. Um, and I will say, when looking through the book, um, it has beautiful illustrations. So there are photos of every person, and that alone, like, drew me into it.
1: (laughs) That would have sold me without a doubt. A beautiful illustration of a god, (laughs) of a mythical character. I'm here. I'm drawn. (laughs) Absolutely. And I love that you have given us reference material for a a majority of the titles we're suggesting today. All these great shows that are built off of myths. That's super helpful.
0: (laughs) I've I've picked up books where I'm like reading, I'm like, okay, this is great, but. Uh, mm-hmm. who is this? I have no idea. Right. <laughs> and the backstories are so important because a lot of retellings sometimes have the habit of just, like, jumping into mm-hmm. each character and it's like, hold up.
1: <laughs> right. You know who this is and if not, you should just look it up and they, because like, this person exists. You have to just know it. No. Give me the foundation. Tell and me. I, I, exactly. <laughs> do, do a little bit of lifting for me.
0: So no, yeah, that. if you jump into any of these books, I would highly recommend this um, for Greek mythology. It's yeah. great reference.
1: Keep it by your side as you're hopping into American Gods. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so my next title is Half World by Hiromi Goto. So Melanie Tamaki is human, but her parents aren't. They are from the half world, a limbo between our world and the afterlife. And her father is still there. So when her mother disappears, Melanie must follow her into the half-world, and neither of them may return alive. I would say, kind of imagine if Hayao Miyazaki was the one who did Coraline. That's kind of the best way I could describe it. Yeah, so this is is very much Coraline, but done by Studio Ghibli. Or if, like, Neil Gaiman collaborated with Charles DeLint. So half-world...
0: Literally adding this to my <laughs> list right now. <laughs> I,
1: I figured those were like a good series of words to put together for you.
0: <laughs> like Neil Gaiman is like one of my favorite authors. Coraline's one of my favorite animated movies. Like I don't need to hear more. <laughs>
1: <laughs> exactly. that, And I think our listeners who are like you have already put this on their list. This is an older one, but it was so... It was just so worth the read. It was fun. And it's, it's vivid. It's just kind of like... It, it is graphic novel-esque, so it's got a combination of prose and images, and it's kind of haunting. So it's, I, I think if you love if you love mythology, if you love these kind of read-alikes, and you're uh, a bit of a, an anime fan, it's also a, a good place to jump in.
0: Love that. I can't wait to read that one. <laughs> so my next book is Wicked Fox by Cat Cho. So 18-year-old Gumi Young has a secret. She's a gumiho, uh, which is a nine-tailed fox who must devour the energy of men in order to survive. Love that.
1: <laughs> yes, we, we love a strong queen out here yes. destroying men. <laughs>
0: <laughs> um, because so few believe in the old tales anymore and with so many evil men no one will miss, the modern city of Seoul is the perfect place to hide and hunt. But after feeding one full moon, mi crosses paths with Ji-hoon, a human boy, being attacked by a goblin deep in the forest. Uh, against her better judgment, she violates the rules of survival to rescue the boy, losing her fox bead, her gamiho soul, um, in the process. So Ji-hoon knows mi is more than just a beautiful girl. He saw her nine tails when she saved his life. His grandmother used to tell him stories of the gumiho of their power and their danger they pose, but he's still drawn to her anyways. When he finds her fox bead, he does not realize he holds her life in his hands. So there are murderous forces lurking in the background and they develop and blossom into this relationship, um, which is obviously complicated. <laughs> um, and basically Miyoung has to choose between her immortal life as a Gamijo and Jihoons. i think this was the first book i read that was like korean folklore inspired Mm -hmm. um and i will say this book is a lot of fun because it's technically fantasy but there's a little bit of romance and it kind of reads like a k-drama
1: so okay it was
0: a lot of fun i'm gonna say
1: (laughs) that sounds like a lot of fun so, my next title is A Song of Wraiths and Ruin by Roseanne Brown. So, for Malik, the Solstasia festival is a chance to escape his war-stricken home and start a new life with his sisters in the prosperous desert city of Zoran. But when a vengeful spirit abducts his youngest sister, Nadia, as payment, for en- as payment to enter the city, Malik strikes a fatal deal. Kill Karina, Crown Princess of Zoran, for Nadia's freedom. Karina has deadly aspirations of her own, however, this crown princess. Her mother, the Sultana, has been assassinated. Her court threatens mutiny, and the Solstacia looms like a knife over her neck. Not only is she grief-stricken, she decides that she is going to resurrect her mother through ancient magic, requiring the beating heart of a king. And she knows just how to obtain one by offering her hand in marriage to the victor of the Stolstasia. Stasia competition so when malik rigs his way into the contest to try to do the assassinating uh, they are set on a how ha- on a heart pounding course to destroy each other but as attraction flares between them and ancient evils stir will they be able to see their tasks to the death this is a series so this is the first book and Sometimes I like to plop us in the middle of the series when I've read through it. And sometimes I like to take us back to the beginning. You can't pick up just one of these books, some series you can. This you have to start from, from the beginning. Too much happens in this book to, uh, to not.
0: (laughs) I love that. And I love jumping into a good series. And this book sounds like it's like very classic and just, it sounds like there's going to be a lot of activity. A lot of action.
1: (laughs) Absolutely. Action packed. This is kind of more of the we're blending a few different forms of folklore and mythology together into our world. So this is kind of my furthest departure compared to more direct pulls. But it's a it's a series worth reading.
0: Love that. Um, My next book is Laura Olympus, Volume One by Rachel Smith. Um, And this is actually a graphic novel. Um, This was a really popular webtoon that eventually got turned into an actual book, Um, and it's a retelling of Persephone. So Persephone, young goddess of spring, is new to Olympus. Her mother, Demeter, has raised her in the mortal realm, but after Persephone promises to train as a sacred virgin, she's allowed to live in the fast-moving, glamorous world of the gods When her roommate Artemis takes her to a party, her entire life changes. She ends up meeting Hades and feels an immediate spark with a charming yet misunderstood ruler of the underworld. (laughs) Now Persephone must navigate the confusing politics and relationships that rule Olympus while also figuring out her own place and her own power. Um, This book is a very modern retelling of Persephone um, you know, she's she's texting Hades like, "Hey, I got a new phone." <laughs> and, um, it, it was so much fun, though.
1: <laughs> it's I, I mean that sounds fantastic. I love a graphic novel, and I also love a retelling. I just as you were describing that, I was shaking my head at like, "Yeah, of course she met him at a party, <laughs> and he's huh, just a real peach."
0: <laughs> oh yes, and again, the illustrations. Are good illustrations will pull me into a book um you know the colors in the in the illustrations are like deep blues and pinks Mm -hmm. and it's just it's a lot of fun
1: so my next title is wicked as you wish by rin chupiko uh, once upon a time, the magical kingdom of Avalon was left to wither and die after the Snow Queen encased it in ice. Its former citizens are now refugees, which is why Crown Prince Alex and his protectors are stuck in Arizona. Talamachaling has lived her life as an outsider. Her family curse, the one that's doomed her to be a spellbreaker, someone who destroys magic, hasn't won her too many friends. Except Alex, who trusts her and her family to keep his royal identity a secret. One night, a famous creature of legend, the Firebird, appears in their tiny town, reigniting hope for their abandoned homeland. Alex and Tala team up with a ragtag group of new friends to journey back to Avalon. Their path is filled with danger, from deadly prophecies to terrifying ice wolves, a traitor among them, and the Snow Queen herself. But if they succeed, their story would be legendary.
0: So I have Daughter of the Moon Goddess by Su Lin Tan. Okay. So, growing up on the moon, uh, Yin is accustomed to solitude, unaware that she's being hidden from the powerful celestial emperor who exiled her mother for stealing his elixir of immortality. But when Yin's magic flares and her existence is discovered, she is forced to flee her home, leaving her mother behind. So, alone, untrained, and afraid, She makes her way to the celestial kingdom, a land of wonder and secrets, disguising her identity. uh, She seizes an opportunity to learn alongside the crown prince, mastering archery and magic, uh, even as passion flames between her and the emperor's son. To save her mother, Ding Yan embarks on a perilous quest, confronting legendary creatures and vicious enemies across the earth and skies. When treachery looms and forbidden magic threatens the kingdom, she must challenge the ruthless celestial emperor for her dream, uh, striking a dangerous bargain in which she is torn between losing all she loves or plunging the realm into chaos.
1: This gives me Sailor Moon vibes.
0: (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Yes, 100%.
1: As I was listening, I was like, okay, okay, so when does she transform? What are the outfits like? (laughs) It was, I was seeing it happen, and I love the sound of that.
0: You can almost get some vibes from the cover image as well. Okay. Back to cover images. It is probably the most beautiful one I have on this list. It's very pretty, but she has this long flowing hair, and it's very Sailor Moon-esque, so.
1: (laughs) I love that. So my next title is Rules for Vanishing by Kate Alice Marshall. Now, this is where I'm kind of taking folklore and putting a bit of a twist on it, since, you know, folklore could be mythology, those oral tales. And that's kind of where I'm leaning into a little more of like stories you would have heard around the campfire. So, you know, the, the guy who escaped from the institution and he's got a hook for a hand and lovers like, like you know, that kind of story that we all know. So This is kind of done in a faux-documentary style like The Blair Witch Project, and it, it features the story of a missing girl, a vengeful ghost, and a girl who is determined to find her sister at all costs. So once a year, a road appears in the forest, and at the end of it, the ghost of Lucy Gallows beckons. Lucy's game isn't for the fate of heart. If you win, you escape with your life. But if you lose... Big old dot 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 at the end of that one. So our character Sarah, her sister disappeared one year ago, and only Sarah knows where she is. Becca went to find the ghost of Lucy Gallows and is trapped on the road that leads to her. In the sleepy town of Briar Glen, Lucy's road is nothing more than local lore, but Sarah knows it's real and she's going to find it. When Sarah and her skeptical friends meet in the forest to search for Becca, the mysterious road unfurls before them. All they have to do is walk down it, but the path to Lucy is not of this world, and it has its own rules. Every mistake summons new horrors, vengeful spirits, and broken, angry creatures are waiting for them to slip, and no one is guaranteed safe passage. The only certainty is this. The road has a toll, and it will be paid. Sarah knows that if she steps onto this road, she might not come back, but Becca needs her and Lucy is waiting.
0: This sounds amazing. (laughs) It has like that mystery element to it. And I love that it's written in like a unique format. It's not just, you know, your normal story.
1: (laughs) It's, it kind of forces you to feel disturbed. You can't trust you can't always trust all of it since it is that like Blair Witch Project's not running down the nose moment kind of thing it it really puts you in an interesting headspace and yeah it's those those good like small town urban legends meets um like Cabin in the Woods with how the monsters come about or at least that's kind of like the vibe and uh, yeah, it's it's worth the read. I, if you need something for Halloween or if you're like me and you like a spook any time of the year, there you go. Year
0: round over here. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Absolutely.
0: Uh, the next book that I have is The Poppy War by R.F. Quang. And this is a book inspired by the history of China's 20th century. Um, it's filled with treachery and magic. So... When Rin aced the Keju, the test to find the most talented students in the empire, it was a shock to everyone um, to test officials who couldn't believe a war orphan from uh, Rooster province could pass without cheating. To Rin's guardians who had hoped to get rich by marrying her off and to Rin herself, she realized she was finally free from a life of servitude. Um, so Rin got into Seingard the most elite military school in Nikan, I want to say, um, was even more surprising, but surprises aren't always good um, because being a dark-skinned peasant girl from the South is not an easy thing at Seingard. Fighting the prejudice of rival classmates, Rin discovers that she possesses possesses, um, a lethal unearthly power, an aptitude for the nearly mythical art of shamanism, Exploring the depths of her gift with the help of psychoactive substances and a seemingly insane teacher, um, Rin learns that gods long thought dead are very much alive, and that mastering these powers can mean more than just surviving school. For while the Nikura Empire is at peace, a federation of Mugen still lurks across a narrow sea.
1: Okay.
0: <laughs> yes. This, this one has a lot going on,
1: <laughs> yeah it, it seems to it kind of ble- like my brain goes, okay, we've got Hogwarts vibes, we've got hunger games <laughs> or like divergent vibes i I like the sound of that though, so she's basically going to a school where nothing is as it seems, and it's only because she beat the test because she has these powers like yeah I'm intrigued I'm ready to learn more. <laughs> <laughs>
0: This is one of the ones that where the story reads a little bit more traditionally. Okay. Um, But I will say, you know, it's when I started reading it, I was hooked. I was sucked, sucked
1: in. (laughs) Okay, so not even one of those like give it the first chapter. This is like a, you might it might not be what you're expecting, but you're gonna you're gonna want
0: it. It is a series. There are three titles. Um, And it it gets better. It gets better as it goes.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Series lovers, you're welcome for this episode. Here's some (laughs) more content for you. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm going to kind of follow those vibes with uh, Japanese folklore inspired YA fantasy. It is kind of a Hunger Games read-alike. And uh, yeah. So each generation, a competition is held to find the next Empress of Honoku. The rules are simple. Did I even? I didn't even give you the title. <laughs> uh, so, this is Empress of All Seasons by Emiko Jean. And each generation, a competition is held to find the next Empress of Honoku. The rules are simple survive the palace's enchanted seasonal rooms, conquer winter, spring, summer, and fall, marry the prince. That's it. Everyone is eligible to compete, all except yokai, the supernatural monsters, and spirits from whom the emperor is determined to enslave and destroy. Mari has spent a lifetime training to become empress. Winning should be easy, and it would be if she weren't hiding a dangerous secret. Mari is a yokai with the ability to transform into a terrifying monster. If discovered, her life will be forfeit. As she struggles to keep her true identity hidden, Mari's fate collides with that of Taro, the prince who has no desire to inherit the imperial throne, and Akira, a half-human, half-yokai outcast. Torn between duty and love, loyalty and betrayal, vengeance and forgiveness, the choices of Mari, Taro, and Akira will decide the fate of Hanoku. That oh, sounds
0: really good. I love... <laughs> I love... Um... You know, like you said, like Hunger Games-esque, like the competition. Mm -hmm. I don't know why, like the trope where (laughs) people spend their whole lives training for something is just so intriguing. (laughs) My next two books are actually by the same author. Um, And we've already mentioned this author, Neil Gaiman. Um, He is one of my all-time favorites, and he has written two of my favorite you know, folklore mythology type books. Um, I think everybody has probably heard of them. Um, This next one is a little bit older, but it still deserves the mention. And that is American Gods by Neil Gaiman. Um, So the storm was coming. Shadow spent three years in prison, keeping his head down, doing his time. All he wanted was to get back to the loving arms of his wife and to stay out of trouble for the rest of his life. But days before his scheduled release, he learns that his wife has been killed in an accident. On the plane ride home to the funeral, Shadow meets a grizzled man who calls himself Mr. Wednesday, a self-styled grifter and rogue. Wednesday offers Shadow a job, and Shadow, a man with nothing to lose, accepts. Um, But working for the enigmatic Wednesday is not without its price, and Shadow soon learns that his role in Wednesday's schemes will be far more dangerous than he ever could have imagined. Entangled in a world of secrets, he embarks on a wild road trip and encounters, among others, the murderous uh, Sersnabog, the impish Mr. Nancy, and the beautiful Easter, all of whom seem to know more about Shadow than he himself does. Um, shadow will learn that the past does not die that everyone including his late wife had secrets and that the stakes are higher than anyone could have imagined
1: so you love neil gaiman you love american gods uh what makes this like one of your one of your like go-tos this one
0: specifically it's a book that I reread often. Mm -hmm. Um, I also watched the show as soon as it came out. I read the graphic novel. It's just one of those stories that I'm constantly drawn to. And I think because it is a little outlandish, um, it's not very cut and dry. It's not, you know, it's not one of those stories where it's like, okay, this is happening now. And this is happening now. It makes you think, um sometimes I have to go back and be like okay wait who is this person and what did they do and it (laughs) it it takes you on that like full journey um with the story and some of the stuff is just that happens is crazy it's like what (laughs) how did we get here and I I just love that about this book
1: And then you also mentioned, you know, it's got a couple adaptations. You've got the the show, I think, on Stars or Mm -hmm. USA, one of them, and a graphic novel. How do how do those compare to this, like the original?
0: So the graphic novel is pretty pretty similar. Um, The show is a little different. Um, So if you're one of those that like to like me that you know you like to read the book and then watch the movie or the show Mm -hmm. definitely read the book first um and then I would recommend watching the show it there are some differences but it is just as good okay um it's still outlandish and you're still on a wild journey so I, I would still highly recommend it
1: so before I let you give us our next Neil Gaiman pick from you I have another title So this is Trail of Lightning by Rebecca Roanhorse. While most of the world has drowned beneath the sudden rising waters of a climate apocalypse, Donata, formerly the Navajo reservation, has been reborn. The gods and heroes of legend walk the land, but so do monsters, and it's up to one young woman to unravel the mysteries of the past before they destroy the future. So Maggie Hosky is a Donata monster hunter, a supernaturally gifted killer. When a small town needs help finding a missing girl, Maggie is their last, best hope. But what Maggie uncovers about the monster is much more terrifying than anything she could imagine. Maggie reluctantly enlists the aid of Kai Arviso, an unconventional medicine man, and together they travel the res, unraveling clues from ancient legends, trading favors with tricksters, and battling dark witchcraft in a patchwork world of deteriorating technology. As Maggie discovers the truth behind the killings, she will have to confront her past if she wants to survive.
0: This one sounds extremely intriguing, especially the dark witchcraft.
1: Yes. This is kind of those like this could be a positive or negative descriptor depending on (laughs) you, but like it kind of supernatural.
0: See, that's a positive for
1: Okay. Me. <laughs> I, I don't think it's a bad thing, but, you know, like, yeah. <laughs> it's it's that kind of energy. Uh, it's that kind of fight. It's Supernatural meets Percy Jackson. You know, um, it's kind of dark and gritty. It just, it gives a good, it, it's, a, it's a good time. And this is much more directly indigenous mythology. The kind of earlier title was just that, like, we're drawing inspiration from, but this is Gods and monsters from the native people are walking. They, we are fighting them, and we are also solving a murder mystery.
0: <laughs> yes, <laughs> just yes. Right. Check mark. <laughs> um.
1: All right. I guess I will um, let you give us your next title.
0: Yes. So my second Neil Gaiman title is Norse mythology. Um, this is a fiction rendition of. Um, you know, the myths of the Norse pantheon, um, as written by Neil Gaiman. Um, We talk about Odin, the highest of the high, wise, daring, and cunning. Thor, Odin's son, um, incredibly strong, yet not the wisest of gods. And Loki, son of a giant, blood brother to Odin, and a trickster, and unsurpassable manipulator, um, as we all know Loki to be. Uh, In this book, Gaiman fashions these primable stories into a novelistic arc that begins with the genesis of the legendary nine worlds and delves into the exploits of deities, dwarfs, and giants. Through Gaiman's deft and witty prose, these gods emerge with their fiercely competitive natures, their susceptibility to being duped and to duping others, and their tendency to let passion ignite their actions making these long-ago myths breathe pungent life again.
1: I really appreciate that he is, that he basically took an existing mythology and wrote his take on it. You know, like he, it it feels to me like he just kind of, he walked up, he opened up a reference book and went, okay, okay, this makes sense. How do I put my (laughs) spin on it?
0: (laughs) Yep, he's like, I'm going to take these characters and he stays very true to the characters he's like i'm gonna create a fiction story that is going to wow you out of these characters
1: well that is exciting i love the sound of that and i find his work like fascinating it seems like an odd way to say it but i i think the way he writes is fascinating
0: it's very lyrical Mm -hmm. in but still like easy to read
1: so my next title, my second to last title, I guess I should say, is The Candle and the Flame by Nafiza Azad. Fatima lives in the city of Noor, a thriving stop along the Silk Road. There, the music of a myriad of languages fills the air, and people of all faiths weave their lives together. However, the city bears scars of its recent past when the chaotic tribe of Shayatin Jin slaughtered its entire population except for Fatima and two other humans. Now ruled by a new Maharaja, Noor is protected from the Shayatin. By the ifrit, they are the jinn of order and reason, and by their commander, Zulfikar. But when one of the most potent of the Ifrit dies, Fatima is changed in ways she cannot fathom, ways that scare even those who love her. Ud in hand, Fatima is drawn into the intrigues of the Maharaja and his sister, the affairs of the Zulfikar and the Jinn, and the dangers of a magical battlefield. So this is um, a William C. Morris YA debut award finalist, um, and Azad weaves kind of this immersive tale of magic, the importance of names, fiercely independent women, and perhaps the like most importantly, the work for harmony within a city of a thousand cultures and cadences. So this is that kind of um, Middle Eastern community of Jin, which for just, you know, genies, that's kind of the official term uh, and the powers that they hold.
0: Can I just say, I think you mentioned this earlier that, you know, like when we think about mythology and folklore, we think like Greek, mythology and it's you know we kind of put it in that bucket but like listening to descriptions of a lot of these books like I'm really happy to see that so many books are covering different folklore and different cultures and you get a little bit of everything that's so cool
1: yeah I I love I love that there is actual representation across cultures because I mean this book kind of really touches on it that cities should be kind of that like melding of people together that you can have different uh faiths and identities and you know like even in this case magical practices and it should still create like a, a world worth living in so
0: absolutely so um this next book is lore by alexander bracken um so every seven years the agon begins as punishment for a past rebellion Nine Greek gods are forced to walk the earth as mortals. They are hunted by the descendants of ancient bloodlines, all eager to kill a god and seize their divine power and immortality. Long ago, Laura Perseus fled that brutal world, turning her back on the hunt's promise of eternal glory after her family was murdered by a rival line. For years, she's pushed away any thought of revenge against the man, now a god, responsible for their deaths. Yet, as the next hunt dawns over New York City, two participants seek her out. Castor, a childhood friend, Lore believed to be dead, and Athena, one of the last of the original gods, now gravely wounded. The goddess offers an alliance against their mutual enemy and a way to leave the Aegon behind forever. But Lore's decision to rejoin the hunt, binding her fate to Athena's, will come at a deadly cost and it may not be enough to stop the rise of a new god with the power to bring humanity to its knees.
1: I love the concept of you're paying for your crimes if you get, if you get taken out. This mortal is, is the god instead of you now. And yep. oh, that, ugh. Oof.
0: It's very like the strong will survive.
1: <laughs> so my last title is Scion of the Fox by SMBGo. Roan Harkin considers herself a typical high school student, dead parents, an infected eyeball, and living in the house of her estranged, currently comatose grandmother. Well, maybe she's not so typical. (laughs) But she's uncovering the depth of the family's secrets left behind. Saved from the grasp of death itself by a powerful fox spirit named Syl, Roan must harness mysterious ancient power, and quickly. A snake monster called Zabor lives in wait lies in wait in the bed of the frozen Asiniboni River, hungry for the sacrifice of spirit blood in exchange for keeping the floodwaters at bay. Thrust onto an ancient battlefield, Roan soon realizes that to maintain the balance of the world, she will have to sacrifice more than her life in order to take her place as Scion of the Fox. Uh, I, have a, I have another description I think you'll like. Uh, American Gods meets Princess Mononoke.
0: Well, that's, that's how you get me. (laughs) Yes.
1: (laughs) There's my, uh, there's my uh, other comparison. (laughs) So.
0: Neil Gaiman and then we have some Studio Ghibli. I'm I'm mm
1: -hmm. in. (laughs) And so this is another series for everyone. It's a trilogy. So you can, you can wrap it up in a long weekend.
0: (laughs) My last book is another one for series lovers. Um, And this is Neon Gods by Katie Roberts. And okay, I know I already had a Persephone retelling on the list, but I had to put another one in. (laughs) This book was just too good to not mention. Um, So society darling Persephone Demetriou plans to flee the ultra modern city of Olympus and start over far from the backstabbing politics of the 13 houses. But all of that is ripped away when her mother ambushes her with an engagement to Zeus. The dangerous power behind their glittering city's dark facade. With no options left, Persephone flees to the forbidden undercity that makes a devil's bargain with a man she once believed a myth, a man who awakens her to a world she never knew existed. Hades has spent his life in the shadows and has no intention of stepping into the light. But when he finds that Persephone can offer a little slice of the revenge he spent years craving, it's all the excuse he needs to help her for a price. Yet every breathless night spent tangled together has given Hades a taste for Persephone and he'll go to war with Olympus itself to keep her close. So this is, it is a romance book. I think this is the only um, like exclusively romance book I include on the list. But again, I love that Hades Persephone retelling and it still stays very true to the original tales, even though it is a romance.
1: That, no, that sounds great. Uh, So see, we, even in the niche of folklore inspired titles, we still managed to get in something for our romance readers, for our series readers, YA, uh, graphic novels. You really helped me cover the gamut today
0: <laughs> yes i love it i got a lot of good books to add to my tbr as well so i was literally like keeping mental notes all whole time like okay gotta add this one and this one
1: that is the absolute danger of guesting on this podcast and hosting this <laughs> podcast uh r.i.p to my to be read list because it is now too long
0: <laughs> it just got so much bigger
1: <laughs> yes every time <laughs> well <laughs> Jenna, thank you so much for joining me today and for sharing your favorite titles and recommendations.
0: Thank you so much for having me. I had so much fun, and hopefully our readers enjoy the titles that we talked about.
1: Yeah, here's hoping. I I would love to hear from the listeners uh, what they are putting on their TBR next. So if you want, feel free to reach out to us on social media. We're on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at ProBookNerds. Or, of course you could email me at professionalbooknerds@overdrive.com. at overdrive.com. But Jenna, once again, thank you so much. I hope we get to hear you again on the pod. And uh, just listeners, remember you can find all of these titles on the Libby app from your local library, or most of these titles through the Libby app. Thanks so much for joining us today on the Professional Book Nerds podcast, and happy reading!
0: Readers can sample and borrow the titles mentioned in today's episode on Overdrive.com, and our library friends can purchase these titles in Marketplace. Professional Book Nerds is proud to be an Evergreen Podcast signature program. To learn about other Evergreen podcasts, visit EvergreenPodcast.com. Our podcast is produced, recorded, and edited by Emma Dwyer, Jill Grunewald, and Joe Skelly, and presented by Overdrive. To learn more, visit ProfessionalBookNerds.com.